Thanks for listening to our podcast. Our title sponsor is Peterson Toyota, a great Ram Nation partner that prides itself on great service and delivering you the vehicle that is right for you. They've been in business for more than 50 years, and they're the largest dealership in Northern Colorado. In the car business today, inventory is scarce, and new cars are harder to come by than ever. But Peterson Toyota has new cars coming in daily, and they are supporting their local customers and giving priority to Fort Collins and surrounding city residents with that inventory. Come check out their new and certified pre-owned vehicles, and Peterson Toyota's knowledgeable, friendly staff will help you find the one that is right for you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Ram Nation Radio. I'm Joel Cantalamessa, joined by my cohort, Mike Rowe, as usual. And today we have a special treat. we got Coloradoan reporter Kevin Lytle sitting in with us today to shoot the breeze about the latest in CSU football. Kevin, it's awesome to have you here. I can't believe it's taken all this time to get you on. I know you're under the weather. It's our, our second guest in as many weeks. We've come down with COVID. Hope you're doing okay. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, excited to talk to you guys. I love, love listening to podcasts. It's fun to be on it now. I know. Uh, well, I get a lot of you're you're everywhere, man. I listen to you on on Brady's show. I've heard you with Justin. Um, you know, obviously read your stuff every day. So um, you you are all over the place, man. You are the man that, especially this time of year and during college hoop season. So um, I know it. you being sick, you couldn't ten, attend today's scrimmage. Uh, but I know you have a lot of insights into uh, the off season and what you've seen um, so far in the in the limited time you've seen some practice action. Um, so we'll get to that. Mike was able to, I mean, look at us, big time Ram Nation reporters getting up to the scrimmage today. Mike uh, <laughs> talked to some players, observed some scrimmage. Uh, Mike, you want to kind of give us a rundown of, of what you saw today? Yeah, um, you know, it was, a, it, was a, it was a good opportunity to get up there, see the team. You know, it, it's the sixth day of fall camp. So everything that you see out there, you really got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, you're going to see – you don't want to get too high about something you see. You don't want to get too low about something you see. Uh, coming into it, I, I really wanted to see kind of the depth of our, our line on both sides of the ball. And I, I wanted to see our offensive um, skill position players. And uh, so that's kind of what I focused on uh, when I was up there today. And were you pleased with the depth of the offensive line to start? So um, I'll say this, I was very impressed with how our li both lines uh, look. We're a lot leaner. We look a lot stronger than we have, you know, honestly, since that line with, with Jake Bennett and Moxley and, and Zerblis, um, that's been a while. It's been a while. And, and seeing those, we, we, we just look, we look like uh, – an offensive line that can play an up-tempo style, which Coach Norvell likes. Um, we're working on depth. I think one of the one of the tough things that we've had over the last few years uh, with our last two staffs was a program that focused on the first team, and that was about it. They weren't they weren't concerned with building depth. And one of the things that you see with Coach Norvell you know, going on, on the regular practices where he has a split where ones and threes are in the morning and, and twos and fours are, are later in the afternoon. He wants to build that depth. And just today, today was a scrimmage. 
but the first 45 minutes was a practice. And during that whole time, they went seven on seven uh, with the skill players, but everybody, everybody was doing something. Everybody was moving. And, and you're seeing, you're seeing the depth starting to, to, to develop. It's not there yet. Um, you know, and, and that is a bit concerning uh, from, from what I saw, but it's getting there. And it's something that he's addressing. And it's, and it's something that the players know, and it's something that they're working hard. And it's something that they have that opportunity to actually work hard for, where they didn't have that over the last two years with Coach Adazio and, and his staff. Because it was just it was the ones, and that was it. Uh, I saw Justin Michael tweeted after the scrimmage saying that the the O-line had a rough day. And Kevin, I know that you've pointed this out as one of your concerns going into the season was the the O-line and especially the lack of depth. Is this uh, to be yeah. uh, expected at this point in the in camp or uh, is this still a, a major red flag? Uh, you know, it's probably one that's a little bit of both, to be honest. I, I don't think it's surprising. I uh, just like Mike was saying, I think you're spot on. I think the D line looks good. Um, so that's going to cause problems, which is kind of a good thing. You want your D line to uh, obviously be good enough, you know, for the team going into the season, but also to cause those problems for the O line. The O line, you know, four of the five starters are guys that have a lot of experience, but basically from different places. Um, some of them have shuffled positions. So it's going to take a while to get the cohesion. The fifth guy, your probably most important one, is Brian Crespo, a guy who has been here, a, a pooter kid, uh, but he hasn't played at all. So you have, in a lot of different ways, a bunch of newness on that line. So it's going to take some time. It's going to be ups and downs, I think. Uh, I think they're going to look okay at times. I think they're going to struggle at times. Obviously, Michigan um, is a nice, easy open for them where, where they can just kind of get their feet wet. Uh, but it's going to be a little bit of both. I do think depth is is a concern because, you know, the Adazio staff didn't recruit O-line very well. And um, the type of O-linemen they had weren't the type that Norvell wants. Bobo, you know, that staff didn't really develop O-line very well either. So you just have a lot of years where you haven't really been developing often offensive linemen very well. So um, in one off season, you're not going to be able to get it all. And, uh, you know, with the transfer portal and everything, the way they've been able to flip this roster and create, kind of like Mike said, okay, depth, you know, in one off season is pretty good, but yeah, it's not ideal yet. So you're, you're going to have some holes. I do think that's one where um, you're going to see, you know, some early struggles. Mike, did they scrimmage two hours today? What was the, you know, what the format was, was it ones versus ones or how did they go? So, and this is, and this is just another great thing that Norvell did and what he focuses on again, on building the depth. So like I said, the first 45 minutes was, they did seven on seven and individual drills. So it was is your more traditional practice. When they started the scrimmage, they went two offense versus one defense. So again, that's just something that we haven't seen over the last couple staffs. It was, hey, you know, Giles, get out there. You know, you're starting. And they started at the one yard line. And so it was like the second team, they got thrown in, thrown into the fire. Uh first thing in scrimmage and so that was great seeing that and then it went then it went then it went ones versus two one offense two two defense then they went the threes um threes and fours mixed together then it was back to the twos and, and two versus two one versus one and it lasted it, it lasted till about 12 30 hmm. um so 
you know, they had said it was going to get 9.30 to 11.30, but it was it was about an, an hour extra. And Coach Norville talked about it after after practice when, when we uh, the media sat down with him, that he wanted to get everybody in and he wanted it to be able to see what everyone can do. Again, it's something that you, this this staff is not just paying lip service. They're trying to build depth and they're trying to build a team one through you know, 100. One of the things I found interesting uh, through spring and then you talk about today is, you know, starting the offense at the one, he seems to really like applying a lot of pressure to his offense. You know, people, a lot of people have asked, you know, is, is he too offensive to focus on them? I think one of the things you're seeing is he's very demanding of them too. And it, it kind of, in theory, at least, you know, breeds on each other of, he puts a lot of pressure on the offense and in turn does that to the defense of, Hey, offense, you're on the one that's really hard to score. But on the flip side, defense, we put the offense on the one, you better not let them go run the field on you or else, you know, you're doing something really wrong. So I find it really fascinating, you know, the spring game, obviously he did the, uh, you know, the ones versus the world where he had, you know, the huge score, what was it, like 27, nothing or something for the, the world team. He seems to like doing these kind of little games, so to speak, to really put a lot of pressure, especially on his offense. It's, it's kind of fun to watch. Uh, it kind of speaks, I think, to the, I guess, competitiveness that he wants to instill in the team with these little, you know, they're frankly, they're kind of mind games, but it's kind of fun to observe. You know, and that was, you know, watching that first series with the two, two offense versus one defense. They moved the ball. They they got about thirty yards on them uh, before they went. Before they, uh, I mean, they didn't punt, but would have had to punt. And then when they went one versus two offense and defense, they got a safety on the first play. The defense got a safety. Uh, you know, Millen handed off, and and I think it was Vivens got hit in the back in the backfield for the safety, and and it was one of those like, hey, you learn from it. And then they went right back at it, and they were able to move the ball down the field. But it, it was one of those and, – and Clay talked about it again after. You're going to have to see that in a game. You know, you're going to be down there. You're going to be inside the five where you have to get the ball out, out of the end zone and be productive, whether, whether it's a, a time-consuming drive before you punt, but trying not to get that three and out, trying not to give up that uh, safety. Speaking of Clay, how was uh, how was he today? And then I'd like to Kevin ask you a little bit about what you've seen of him so far. Um, you know, in in previous practices and your interactions with him as a as a person and as, as a player. Mike, how was how was how did he look today? So, you know, going back to the spring game, you know, where when I first saw him, you can see with him through every series, through every play how the game starts to slow down for him. Um, and I, and again, I saw that today. You, you see it and you go back to some of our, our fresh, our younger quarterbacks that we've had over the last 10 years, Connor Smith. And, and when we had Connor Smith and, and Grayson that were battling it out when they were sophomores, you know, the game never slowed down for Connor Smith. You know, he transferred to the West Texas A&M and, and didn't even play there at a lower division. We saw that it took about a little bit more than half the season for the, the game to slow down for Grayson. Colin Hill, Nick Stevens, Coleman Key, same thing, never slowed down for him. But you could watch, and I'm not saying that he's going to be perfect and he, Clay's going to make mistakes, but you could see it 
just every possession, he gets better. Every play, he gets better. And it, 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 he understands the game better. Um, I'm, I'm very impressed with him. Uh, but I, I was with, with Pooler and with Stratton as well. You know, Stratton, he has kind of a hitch on his delivery. But that ball explodes out off his hand. He's got a cannon. And he did a good job running the threes. Pooler did a good job running the twos. Uh, always weird seeing a lefty, uh, lefty QB out there. But I like this group of, of quarterbacks. I think we got a lot of talent. They're young. But, you know, I'm excited about the future uh, behind center. Yeah, it's a fascinating QB room. I think it has to be the youngest in FBS. You know, four freshmen, two of them redshirt, two of them true. Um, Giles is a pretty cool story, you know, being a, a walk-on under previous staff that pretty easily could have been discarded. And instead he goes and wins the two job. Not only that, but I think him doing that kept them from going and getting, you know, maybe a veteran transfer backup type. Um, so it's pretty interesting. But, uh, but Clay, I mean, a lot of what you said is why I've noticed too. I mean, with all the QBs, the, the way the ball comes out of their hand is much different than we've seen, you know, over the last couple of years. It pops. Clay, it comes out easy, comes out nice, tends to be pretty accurate. He seems really sharp on the uh, sort of deep sideline throw, which they love. I mean, the amount of times I've seen him hit, you know, Torrey Horton, uh, you know, Ty McCulloch, some of these guys in practice, it's uh, never ending. It seems like they really like that throw. Yeah, the pace of the game, you know, that's going to be a learning curve. You know, he hasn't played uh, since his senior – and, yeah, he got some snaps last year, but nothing of significance. So he hasn't really played since his senior year of high school. Again, opening with Michigan, there's obviously going to be some growing pains. But he's a guy that he seems, you know, just really calm, mature. Um, I wouldn't say they're the same personality, but he does give me some Isaiah Stevens vibes of – He's pretty football obsessed, pretty focused, very focused on what he wants to do, knows what he wants to do, pretty locked in on things, pretty just chill. Um, I get some some Isaiah vibes, and obviously that's a compliment by saying that any Isaiah Stevens vibes are good vibes. Um, so he's a guy that, yeah, I've been impressed with. He's, um, you know, as far as, you know, in interviews and stuff, well-spoken, you know, well thought out. Um, he's certainly not going to give a, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to get Tebos, you know, type of speech or anything, but he'll also, you know, give thoughtful answers beyond just, you know, coach speak. Um, so he's a guy, a guy that I think fans will really like to know and, and watch play. And, um, you know, obviously we'll see it, but it, it seems to me like he has a pretty bright future and, and is a guy that players seem to really like. Actually, one of the things that I thought was a good sign, um, if you remember in spring, they were doing those, at the end of camp, they would have a little question on a whiteboard with the GoPro. Players would answer them, and one of them was, I think, his best and worst dressed. Clay Millen just got dragged through the mud on that one. And so the fact that um, players feel comfortable doing that to the quarterback, I think, is a good sign. Because there, there are some teams where, you know, a, a leadership position, you'd be like, eh, let's – let's not tease that guy publicly, but they did. So I think that's a good sign. I think if I remember, he kind of respond, you know, joked back on social media and stuff. So um, that seems to be a good sign of he's uh, you know, being well-received in the locker room, which is obviously important. So there's been a lot of, you know, a lot of attention put on the transfer receivers from Nevada, Tory Horton and Melquan Stovall, rightfully so. Where does Dante Wright fit in to this lineup? I mean, will he really not, be a starter i mean it just seems hard to believe 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the frequent questions I'm sure that you guys hear and see all the time, certainly one I get a lot. Um, and yeah, I think it's possible that if everyone's healthy, Dante won't be starting because him and Melquan kind of play, you know, that similar slot type position. Um, and, you know, you'll just have one of them out there to, you know, to start, obviously, but he'll be out a lot. He'll play a lot. Um, again, we'll see how some of these freshmen come along, but I think Dante will be very much in the mix, but um, I also don't think he's going to be, you know, a 1200 yard guy. Frankly, I don't think anyone is. I'm not sure they're going to have a thousand yard receiver. I could very well see this being, you know, a 900 and 800, a 700 and three, four hundreds or something like that. Um, so, you know, Dante is going to be an important role player, but I also, you know, don't necessarily think, uh, you know, he's like your number one, a, you know, Blitnikoff type, uh, you know, target this year. How the passing offense look today, Mike? Um, again, you, know, you got to take it with a grain of salt. Um, all three of those guys that you just mentioned um, did not play during it or had limited snaps, mostly on the uh, on the on air when they were doing seven on seven live. It was is mostly Ty that was out there. He was he was the main one. Uh, he looked good. Chris Routes. That, that's one of the things. All the receivers, even the young guys, Chris Routes. You know, they're doing a great job being taught. And I think a lot of that's your reps, too. I mean, yeah. the, ma- the amount of times they run these routes in practice, it's – and Norvell was not lying when, you know, when he was introduced and he said they'll catch more balls in the first 20 minutes than they do in a month previously. Uh, it, it is true. They run these all the time. Yeah, and, and you can see it. You can see it on there. Uh, again, uh, with the line – with the line play – especially with, with the uh, younger QBs, they didn't have a lot of time to it, but they did a great job checking down. And, and, and you know, talking to Kyle Neves, there was times where our quarterbacks just threw it to an open space and there was a receiver there. That's something that we haven't seen. Like, hey, let's throw it to where the other team's not. And our receivers were there. Very impressed with our three, like the, our three true freshmen, uh, Mackay Fox, Justice Ross Simmons, uh, Lewis Brown, think about how Gallup and Preston looked, Preston Williams looked when they were seniors. That's why these guys look like now a 17 and 18 year olds. I mean, they're put together. They are tall and they are built and they're strong. They're strong getting up. Uh, I think Justice Ross Simmons had an amazing catch. That catch today. was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I saw um, the video amazing, of that one. Amazing catch today. Uh, on a fade route, it just went up. Great coverage by our our DB, and he just over like out jumped him and overpowered him to get this ball. We got talent; those three right there, and, and and then I mean we got we got a few other like Richard. Our 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 receivers are going to be good, you know. And what Kevin was saying with with Dante, he's going to get his touches. Uh, they're going to find him. He's a playmaker. They're going to find him the ball. But, yeah, there's not enough footballs to go around for all the talent that we have at receiver. Yeah, I could see Dante. If you, I'm sure you guys remember the LaVisca Chenault CU game where he had like 200 yards on those little jet sweep pitches. I could see a little bit of that for Dante. But, yeah, these freshmen, that's a good observation, Mike. Like the first day of practice, I go out there and um, there's this big kid 
uh, really put together. I'm like, you know, checking the roster, you know, haven't memorized everyone's number. I'm like, man, this kid's big. Who is this? Oh, it's Makai Fox, who obviously we, you know, we knew about his recruiting po- profile and everything and, and expected that he would be good. But I was like, oh, he is bigger than I expected. Uh, he would look in person, look really put together. And, and yeah, I mean, that's a good thing. They still want to add more depth. We're seeing that a little bit in the recruiting, the upcoming recruiting class. Um, but you have some guys that will play and receiver luckily is a position that freshman, um, if you have the right ones, they can walk in and play a little bit. And, and Ty brought that up uh, after, after practice, when we were talking to him about how one, when, when these, when these uh, freshmen came in, every freshman thinks that they can play, but these guys are start are showing it that they can play and that how like the, the speed of the game for them today they weren't just deers and headlights. It, it, it got it got easier for them as, as the scrimmage went on. And yeah, we're gonna see. We're I, I think we're gonna see all three of them playing this year. How yeah, about, I think. Sorry, I was just gonna say. I think probably the one freshman receiver you maybe won't see just Kyo Day, mostly just because he's probably more at that slot position where you have Melquan and Dante. So it's probably just hard to to crack in. But they're really hot in him. He's got huge speed too. So um, it's a really uh, pretty exciting group, I would say. And of course, he yeah. comes from the best high school in the state. That's the one knock <laughs> is that he went to school. Yeah, that's a, that's a red flag for sure, <laughs> right? Uh, Cherry Creek, by the way, for those that don't know. Um, oh, everyone knows where Joel Candle Mesa went. To curious, curious about the running running backs. Kev Vivens, a looks like he's got the hold on the starting spot, and then you got Mara. How how are they? How do you think they'll use each of the three? I assume David Bailey fits in mildly. Uh, I don't know how many carries he's going to get, but I would, is, are we looking at uh, Vivens and Morrow, then a little bit of Bailey at best? Yeah, I think it's uh, looking like a pretty safe bet that Ajan's your starter there. Again, kind of cool story for him to <laughs> kind of persevere through. You know, obviously he had a lot going on with his family. So personally, everyone I think is rooting for him. But then he's a guy that's changed positions, you know, as a receiver, then running back. Um, now obviously coaching changed, but he just keeps finding ways to get on the field. And and yeah, I think we're gonna see a lot of him. It seems like he fits, you know, he, he runs downhill, kind of just straight to the point runner. Um, he can obviously catch the ball with his receiving background. Frankly, every morrow have some similarities, you know, they, they can both catch it. Um, kind of slash backs almost. I like, I think they will be a good tandem combo. And yeah, David Bailey probably is going to be a short yardage type of back. He um, in spring, frankly, didn't get much. He, he wasn't available for a few practices and obviously early in camp um, before I got sick, you know, his before pads came on. So uh, all running backs look good without pads on. So uh, not much you can glean there, but yeah, I think it's going to be a lot more and a lot of Asian Vivens. What's the, uh, I mean, I thought this was kind of an interesting thing with the, the preseason all conference stuff to see Tanner Arkin get that, that nod. Yeah. What is his deal? And then, uh, yeah, I guess, I guess the other guy that we kind of forget about is Gary Williams, who kind of came on strong last year as well. But what do, what do you expect from the tight ends? Yeah. So a little inside baseball for people that don't know how the all conference works. Um, so the league, sends out to uh, media members. I don't honestly, I don't know exactly how many of us vote, but they send out a ballot, but the ballots are created by team 
um, nominations. So teams will nominate players that they think should be on the all-conference ballot. Every team does it differently. Some are very particular about, you know, this player had to play last year. Some nominate absolutely everyone under the sun, you know, even though they've, you know, barely even walked on campus. So I'm going through doing my ballot. And the only tight end you could vote for was Tanner Arkin. So it's kind of funny. Trey McBride was not first team preseason all conference last year, but Tanner Arkin is now. Um, Obviously, that's no fault of Tanner Arkin's. um, But he's a kid I'm excited about. I've covered him for a long time, you know, because he went to Fossil Ridge High School here in Fort Collins. So I've seen him, you know, since he is a youngster. He had an older brother who I covered as well. Um, So I've known the Arkin's for a while. He's a kid. He battled injuries through his high school career. So if you go look at stats, it's basically nothing. And he played, I think, 10 total varsity games because he was hurt all the time. His senior year was the COVID year, I believe. So obviously that was very minimal. So he just didn't play much. He played both sides um, in high school, kind of a defensive end, tight end type. But he's a kid. When you see him out there, he is big. He is put together. That kid, I am guessing, can throw some massive weight around in the weight room, but he moves really well, has good hands. Another one that, you know, this staff inherited, but they really liked him and think he can do some good things. Um, this the staff, obviously, everyone thinks receivers, but Cole Turner last year had, what was it, 10 or 11 touchdowns. Uh, so while uh, poor Trey McBride couldn't get the ball thrown to him in the red zone, Cole Turner was uh, winning jump balls day in and day out. Uh, and, you know, Jay Norvell, I asked him about that once. He says, well, it's, it's not rocket science. You, you find your big, strong kid and he can box people out and you just give him the ball. And Tanner's going to be a guy that I think um, will be a good weapon and, and a good player. And, yeah, it seems he's he's basically won that job over Gary Williams. Um, I think we will see Gary in, in spots, you know, because he obviously can be a good athlete, um, can do a lot of things. They may even use him in some different type of ways. Uh, but Tanner, you know, really had a huge spring, and I'm I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I know I know the staff's very high on him. They, they they said the only thing between him and Trey right now is Trey's faster. Um, and this is a redshirt freshman that they're talking about. I mean, he's strong, not as good of a blocker as as Trey is yet, um, but very soft hands. And again, I mean, he knows how to get open. That was that was one of the things that I saw. You know, he knows how to get open. So we're I don't think we're taking a huge step down. I mean, obviously you lose a Mackey Award winner, you know, it's gonna take a little bit of a hit, but I like I like what we have uh, with our tight ends. So any other surprises or, or guys that uh you think we should look out for uh, on the offensive side, either of you guys? Yeah, I think we've covered the offensive guys um, pretty well, just running through the, the pseudo roster in my head. Um, but yeah, some of those freshmen are going to play. I think it's still too soon to to know kind of which ones we'll see the most of, but definitely keep an eye out for those freshman receivers because um, they will play. Melquan Stovall, I love. I know he's been talked about a pretty good amount. I love what he brings. He's going to be a really good player. Um, I guess the one, I don't know the answer to this. I'll be intrigued to see if Thomas Panunzio kind of what type of role he gets because he's really fast. Obviously, he can make plays in the open field. Yeah, maybe that will just be as a return type of guy. Maybe he'll get some gadget plays here and there. But he's a guy that, you know, is another little wrinkle that a creative offensive coach, which obviously they have now, uh, will probably find a way to use every now and then. So he's another one I'm intrigued to see what they might do. You know, you, you hit it. You hit it on the head right there. 
you know, the creativity that Coach Norvell and and, and Mumi, what they bring to the table. I mean, we haven't seen that. And even even with Bobo, offensive mind, honestly, after those first 20 scripted plays, you know, that creativity kind of went out the door. I'm excited. And, and I think we are going to see a lot of ways that our skilled players are being used. It's not going to be, it, it's not going to be what our traditional pro set that we had with Bobo. Definitely not going to be whatever you want to call, <laughs> you know, the offense the last two years. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited. What I- what I think is good is, you know, obviously it is Jay's offense and he'll call the plays, but there are a whole lot of, you know, Matt Mummy influences and how Mummy influences. And so I I would guess you have some pretty really good friction between those two. I mean, that in the best of way of bouncing different ideas off each other, challenging each other of different ways to do things. Whereas the Bobo, it was the Bobo playbook. Bobo was calling it. And I'm not saying there wasn't anyone else that had ideas, but it was very much his. Whereas I think this is co-opted a little bit, which I think will um, should help it kind of mold and grow and change as needed um, through the year and years. All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. We rave about them all the time. But if you don't know about this place, it's located in a historic 100-year-old grain mill that was masterfully renovated. It's home to two restaurants, the Cash and the Cafe. It's got a coffee shop, bakery, teaching kitchen, event spaces, and market. One of those event spaces, by the way, the Milltop, will be our home for the Ram Nation Happy Hour event, August 18th, 5.30 to 7.30. Come hang out, hang out with fellow Ram Nationers, talk some football, and AD Joe Parker will be there and answering any questions you'd like to fire away at him uh, during the evening. Um, You can order food and drinks during the event and enjoy this incredible facility while we support our friend Ginger Graham and her Fort Collins gym, Ginger and Baker. Quietly optimistic about the defense, guys. I mean, the 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 front four seems solid. I mean, we, Devin Phillips returning, Kamara. Um, you got a new guy. This um, the CJ Onyechi should be an immediate starter. Um, what can you tell me about the the front four? Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, sort of the the nasty secret of last year is you know the defense seemed good, but it wasn't good. It gave up a lot of points. Yeah, over the last couple of years, you got a lot of sacks and stuff, but the defense really struggled. Obviously, there are a litany of issues, you know, some of them outside of their control that that helped with that. But, but yeah, I'm kind of with you. Of I don't think it's going to be the best unit in the country or anything, but I think it's going to be solid. I really like CJ Onyechi. I think he's a really good pickup. Um, he's a guy that certainly physically has a lot of tools, really smart, thoughtful kid. I really enjoy talking to him. He He's another that I think is kind of already becoming a, you know, a leader of types. Um, Kamara, obviously, we know he can do a lot. Dev Phillips, um, you know, he's he's one of those. It's it's an unheralded position because you don't necessarily get a lot of sacks or, or things like that, but he he's a pretty good disruptor. And then they have a few other guys that can fill in next to him, uh, Tutoi um, may well play there. They have some youngsters they like. Mitch, James Mitchell played in there some last year, Tyler Quinn. So you have a, a number of guys, and they actually seem to really like their depth there. Um, so that's one spot that I think they're feeling pretty good at on that D-line. And then that linebacker, um, is is this Drew Kulik really potentially going to be a starter? This yeah, I mean, 
Yeah, I, you know, I mentioned Giles is one of the best stories of Springs. Drew probably was the story, you know, the the biggest winner of Spring. Um, I think everyone just assumed it was Daquan and Cameron, uh, you know, for what seems like about the seventh year of those guys running it back together. Uh, and I think we'll see, you know, plenty of Cameron. But yeah, Drew Kulik uh, won that starting job in Spring, at least, you know, Spring. But it seems like he actually has a pretty legitimate chance to do that. Um, and even if he doesn't start, I do think he's, you know, a legitimate guy that's going to play a lot. And again, pretty cool story to be, you know, a walk on, you know, go win that job. And that's, uh, you know, a position they do really want to strengthen. Um, they talked a lot about wanting, you know, bigger, faster linebackers. Uh, Daquan Jackson's one of those guys that um, I think on film and stuff, everyone's like, well, maybe we can do a little better, but then you watch him practice his instincts. And then you see how loved and important he is in that locker room. And, and you realize you're not replacing him, but um, we're going to see a lot of Daquan. We're going to see Drew Kulik. I think we'll see some Cameron and then we'll see if there are some young guys that can come in. Um, that's a position in, in some flux, but they do only roll with the two linebackers pretty much all the time. I don't think we'll ever really see three on the field except for some, you know, maybe goal line type situations. What, what can you tell us about some of the, the other new guys? You mentioned CJ, but how about that uh, corner with Chigozi? He's the transfer yep. from, from Cal. Yep. Uh, Angel King, uh, DeAndre Greeley at corner. So, so are these guys projected starters? Yeah, so I'll start with Chiggy Anusium, um, corner from Cal. He's a guy, he he has that corner profile, pretty long, athletic. Seems like his arms are are as long as his entire body. You know, he could tie his shoes standing up, that type of thing. Uh, he he looks like a pretty solid player. He's definitely starting, I would say. Um, DeAndre Greeley, um, him and Tori Horton are actually really tight. They're, I believe their moms were like best friends growing up. So they're, they, um, DeAndre calls Tori his cousin They're uh, I believe they're not actually blood related, but, um, that's how tight they are. So that's kind of a cool little connection. He's, um, battling for that other corner job, I would say, um, there are a few different ways that could go. I think Greg Lede, uh, Northern Colorado guy, um, probably is, is maybe a front runner there. Um, Angel King is going to be interesting to see where he plays a Nevada transfer. He played corner in Nevada, but he's been moved to safety here. Um, Freddie Banks coached him two years ago when Freddie was at Nevada. I, I guess he actually wanted to move, um, last year he would have moved Angel to safety, but Freddie ended up going and get the, the DC job up at Montana state. So that didn't end up happening, but they really like him at safety. He's a guy that, in spring ball, I was really impressed, thought that he has a chance to be a pretty good player on the back end there. Um, Aiden Hector, a guy that played some for Washington State, you know, he just came in, so we've barely seen anything, but he's one to keep an eye on uh, to see where he may fit in. Uh, but that kind of safety position is going to be interesting because obviously, you know, I mentioned Angel, you have Henry Blackburn back, you have Jack Howe back, you have Taiwan Francis, um, you know, where are you going to fit? Who's going to be kind of your nickel back? Um, who's going to start safety. I think you're going to see all those guys on the field. We're just not sure exactly how and where. Um, so it's going to be a hybrid of, of new guys, transfer guys, and some of the returners that that we all know. I think this will, this will be our best depth that we've had at the DB position. You know, two years ago, we lost all, all those transferring out. But, you know, I was talking to Justin Michael today, and you can just see where, where all those that left went, you know, in Idaho State. Stayed, uh, Stony Brook, 
you know, a couple of them I don't even think signed anywhere. I, I, I think there's going to be great competition, and I don't think we've seen uh, DBs like this for a while at, at CSU. Maybe DB, yeah, it's been a struggle of a, of a group for quite a while. It feels like. Yeah, and and I and I do I, I like I love the approach that Norvell has with bigger DBs, longer DBs. Instead of some of these short ones that we've had, that I mean, so many times we just got beat over the top of them. Where I mean, honestly, they really couldn't do anything about that. So that that was one of the, one of the areas I saw today that I really liked. Um, again, defensive line, like you said, I, I like how they got off the ball. Again, I. Uh, we we still got to develop depth there, but but that first rotation is is going to be solid. I, I'm I'm excited even after losing Toby and uh, uh, Manny and Patchen. I kind of like like you said, <laughs> you know, we got a lot of sacks, but I think this group's going to maybe go a little bit down on the sack numbers, but are going to be better just stopping the ball. Yeah. And the big thing is to me, you know, they're going to give up some yards. Um, one that's modern day football and, you know, two, you know, people like talking about the the speed of the offense has that affect the defense. If they can get turnovers to me, that's going to be the big thing. Uh, you look at Norvell, you know, last year, Nevada was second or third in the Mountain West in, in turnover. I, I believe both created and turnover margin. Um, that's the huge thing. You can give up some yards if you uh, take the ball away. So that's going to be, you know, that's one, it's kind of hard to tell in camp how good a team is at forcing turnovers, but that's going to be a key. What kind of defense do you envision out of Freddie Banks? Sounds like he wants to simplify things, let them play fast, not think so much and, and be reactionary, but really attack the ball. Yep. He, he wants to be able to create pressure with four, doesn't want to bring huge blitzes, which is a change because obviously Heater was, uh, Chuck Heater is pretty big on, a lot of kind of exotic packages to create pressure. Uh, Frey Banks prefers if your four can create it, that's the best way. Um, obviously, yeah, play fast. Every defensive coordinator says that, of course. Uh, but yeah, trying to simplify things, make it simple. And he he's talked about, you know, I don't want to teach these guys. And similar how they talk about the offense. I don't want to teach Mo Kamara, you know, 12 different techniques and things he has to try and do because then he'll be okay at all of them. Let's teach him three and have him be awesome at them and just dominate that way. So I think you're getting them. They're trying to sort of specialize some guys of let's become absolute masters at a couple things. If we have 11 guys that are masters at two things, we're going to be pretty good as long as we align those properly. So, so yeah, I think uh, they want to be fairly simple, but fast. And you can see that in who they're recruiting. Um, they are going for athletes that can get across the field up and down, push people around, do all those things that win you football games. One more personnel question. Obviously, we're going to miss Stoney, who's apparently bombing 70-yarders regularly in uh, Tennessee Titans practice. But uh, how does Patty Turner love kicking the ball? Yeah, he looks solid. Uh, you know, obviously, it's hard to replace Stonehouse, but I think Patty Turner will be fine. He's, uh, you know, he has Australian football background you'll probably see a little bit more of that Aussie style punting every now and then but he seems to have a good leg on him 
again, we'll see when it comes to game time. If, if you know, if you boom that low line drive right into returner's arms, you're in trouble. But if you can uh, put him in the right spot, you'll be fine. But it seems like he has a good leg. Seems like a really likable guy. Uh, pretty enjoyable guy. His dad, I believe, played you know, some high level like Aussie rules football. So pretty unique um, story for someone to come to CSU. But I, I think he'll be fine there. Yeah, it's not Stonehouse, but uh, I think he'll be plenty good. So uh, the start of the scrimmage, uh, which I completely glossed over, was punting. And yeah, uh, he uh, uh, not Stonehouse, but he's he's good. Uh, I, I don't think we're going to take a huge step back and Hopefully we don't have to punt that much. That too. You always want to see the punter less. Exactly. No, no offense to those fellas. I love punters. Stonehouse was probably my favorite interview of all time, but you want to see them less. <laughs> Speaking of special teams, I mean, we could certainly use an improvement in that department over the recent years. Um, what do you know about coach Tommy Perry? The funny thing about that is, um, at the Cherry Hills or no Denver Country Club event where the coaches came down, uh, when was this last spring? Um, and uh, was talking quietly with Coach Norvell, and he had mentioned, you know, we were kind of excited about the previous uh, special teams coordinator that was coming in and then left. Um, but he had said, you know, I know everyone was excited about him, but the guy that we brought are bringing in, which is Tommy Perry, was like the mentor um to the previous guy so he says we're getting even a better version of that but um so uh, have you seen any specific work on special teams being put in and and can you can we expect um some level of aptitude there yeah i mean you know small simple things of you know while the the rest of the team is doing you know whatever 11 11 work or whatever he's there working with specialists, you know, your punter kickers, stuff like that, which obviously hadn't happened previously because there wasn't a special teams coach. Um, but yeah, I think just the, the focus on it, you know, I, it hasn't worked. The previous two staffs tried to do the either by committee or, you know, Adazio saying he ran it, you know, a head coach just can't run that. There's just too much going on. Um, so just having someone focus on that is really good. And then if you look at what, what Perry's units did at UTSA, um, it all seems good. So uh, overall good. I, I still think there might, might be some hurdles. Uh, you know, obviously you mentioned Patty Turner, you know, new punter, uh, Kane Camper was hurt through all of spring Um so you have to figure that out. You have a new long snapper, again, a position no one thinks about until there's a bad snap and Ross Ryder was as clean as it gets. So that's uh, kind of an open competition in fall here because in spring there were snapping issues. So you have some issues like that that do need to be fixed. Um, but the overall focus and attention to it, I think, is there. And I don't think you'll see um, some of the broader issues that we maybe saw in the last two years. Yeah, you know, today they didn't work on field goal kicking, but they did work on punting a lot. Uh, again, to start practice and then about an, two hours into the scrimmage, they spent another 10, 15 minutes on punting and make and, and the return game as well. It wasn't just that, but but making sure that how to line up, <laughs> you know, thinking about how many times that we over the last seven years couldn't line up correctly on special teams where led to a block punt led to a block field goal. I mean, somebody posted, posted the Boise state game from two years ago on, on Twitter 
trying to hurt people's feelings, but you know, seeing <laughs> stuff like that, you know, that, that's the attention to detail that this staff is bringing and, and having a, a designated special teams coach, it's going to help a lot. It's going to help our special teams. It's just been a, a joke for way too long. Hey, with, with 17 guys, basically roughly on the two deep who are either transfers or true freshmen, do you think that, I mean, I, I think it's probably the biggest question of the year is can, can this staff bring together that group of all these different guys, new guys, old guys uh, together to, to play well as a unit and, and to have a successful season? Yeah, I think it's possible. I think it, um, the Nevada infusion helps in a lot of ways, especially offensively. They know the system and, and can help teach the system. Um, so that to me is important. And the one I was curious about is, will there be any, you know, clicks created between, you know, you're a Nevada guy, I'm a CSU guy, you're a other transfer guy and talking to players it's no, but of course, you know, they're talking to reporter on the record. So obviously they know the right thing to say, but I've been, you know, trying to poke around, talk to, you know, people that would know, and they say the same thing that, you, you know, in the locker room, in the meal rooms and everything, it's just a group that all, you know, everything seems good. Now, again, teams are generally happy in fall camp before games happen and there are any losses, but it seems like a pre uh, the group has come together pretty well. And, you know, there's no animosity or anything or jealousy of newcomers or holdovers or anything like that. So, you know, all signs are good right now, I would say. You know, when they started the scrimmage today, they brought the entire team to midfield. Coach Norvell talked to him. He talked about the importance of hitting hard, but hitting clean and hitting in the strike zone was, was what he kept talking about, hitting in the strike zone. And he wanted those guys to, to hit each other, to work hard against each other, but to do it cleanly because you're teammates. It wasn't offense versus defense. You're on the same team. There was such a – I know that there was such a huge divide between the offense and defense during the Bobo years, especially the last the last few where they hated each other. I mean, it, it wasn't a team. It was it was Mike Bobo's guys versus the rest of the rest of the CSU Rams. Norvell's really big on, you know, we're a team. You work hard. You hit each other hard. You you fight. And then when it's over, it's over, and, and, and you're doing this to make each all everybody better. And that that's just one of the many things, little things that impressed me with, with this staff is is how they were teaching that. And and yeah, it's 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 something that I think this team is is gelling fast. And you know, Steve, I we said it last week when we were just talking about basketball. That's college athletics. You roll over every year. You you have a you have a big rollover. You you're losing twenty five guys every year to graduation, you know, roughly. And so it's it's better coaches get them to gel faster. And, and just what I've seen in the spring, what I saw today, we have better coaches. A lot of people, myself included, didn't love the fact that Mike Bobo called plays as a head coach. I mean, we wouldn't have cared if the team was better and didn't always botch in-game decisions and be poor at making adjustments in games and just being mistake-filled throughout throughout his tenure. Jay Norvell, as you said, is going to call the plays for CSU. Is um, is this something that you think is temporary 
or is this something he plans to do uh, for the foreseeable future? And is this, is he more equipped to do this than Bobo was? He, I, I think we know the answer maybe to that because he did call plays towards the end of his tenure in Nevada, I believe. Uh, and he did just fine managing that team, but uh, just curious to get your, your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I do expect it to be a, a long-term thing. I mean, if, I feel like if Matt Mummy were to be the play caller at any time, it'd be now. Um, but I, I think it's a fair question, a fair concern. I don't generally love it because, I, like you said, I think there's just a ton going on for head coaches. But the fact that he's done it um, makes me feel certainly more confident. You know, just think of for Bobo, you're trying to figure out how to be a head coach and everything that goes with that. I mean, everything was just completely new, and you're trying to call plays at once. Whereas Norvell, um, you know, it's it's old hat to him. He's done it. Um, so I, I'm certainly more confident that, than I, um, you know, was under Bobo. And like you say, it's one of those, if, if CSU wins, everyone will be happy. And if they lose, everyone's going to point to it of, you know, you, sh- you should hand this off and, and, you know, oversee the team as a whole. Uh, that's, I guess that's one of the things that comes with being a head coach, but I, I am more confident, but it's a, you know, a fair concern, I think for people as well. Okay. What do you think uh, we'll see this season record wise? bowl game achievable winning a bowl game uh beyond that or is that uh is that a, a tall order for this group at this point in the coaching staff tenure yeah i mean i think it'll be you know much improved pretty much overall um one of the things i was talking to someone about a few weeks ago is can you th- think of a non-trey mcbride or ryan stonehouse highlight from last year um you know there were a few but it you kind of have to think for a minute Whereas you're going to get some exciting plays this year. Yeah, there will be some rough moments and stuff, but you're going to get exciting plays, big touchdowns, things like that. And, um, you know, frankly, I I do think a bowl is possible. I don't think it's that far of a reach to think that this team can be six and six, seven, five. Um, You know, I know some people want to go really big and say they're going to do a Utah State um, that they did in year one last year and, and make that huge run. But that to me feels a little hard, um, not impossible. You know, if Clay Millen comes out and is, uh, you know, what we think year three Clay Millen will be in year one, then it's possible. But I think making a bowl and, you know, potentially winning a bowl is not an unrealistic expectation. And um, I was on a radio show in, in Albuquerque, I don't know, a month or two ago, and they said, how do CSU fans view the New Mexico Bowl? I said, well, it depends on the year. I said 2017, <laughs> I don't think they were that happy because uh, – think everyone had a lot higher aspirations for that team I said if CSU's in the New Mexico Bowl this year I think CSU fans would be happy and make the drive down to Albuquerque would have a lot of fun and would view it as a uh, you know beacon of hope and things move in the right direction for the future so uh, maybe maybe there's a Christmas time Albuquerque trip in the future that's a good point you've got that nailed yeah, 08 and 13 were great New Mexico Bowls. Absolutely. Exactly. It, it's, it all kind of depends on perspective and everything. And I think this year, any bowl, I think people would be happy about. Joel, about- Joel had to go into concussion protocol in the uh, <laughs> 17 with, was- those, with those blue blankets that they were giving. <laughs> that was Joel, our version Joel of. Joel was under the hood. That was our version of our bags over our heads. Yeah. Yeah. That team never wanted to play that game. I remember oh, roll, rolling into Albuquerque in the first practice there, um, seeing CSU, seeing Marshall, talking to both teams. I remember walking away, talking to other reporters, and Marshall's win this one. They actually want to be here. 
sure enough, that proved true. Hmm. Oh yeah. From our seats, we were, we were right on the front row, like 30 yard line. Yeah. They had no desire to be on the, on the sidelines. Oh yeah. They, there was, yeah, there was some ugliness that game. If you remember with, with fans or, or, Players actually talking crap to fans. That was not good. Was um, the, yeah. Early sign of uh, what was coming the next couple yeah. of years. Yeah. Yep. What about uh, the next two, three years, Kevin? Is the conference uh, competing for conference championships? Man, there, there's so many unknowns in college sports right now. Um, you know, big question. I know, you know, you guys talked to, to Joe Parker a lot about it last week. Um What's NIL going to mean? Um, you know, I, I know Steve Ivey has talk, had some, you know, really accurate thoughts too about what means, you know, does a school like CSU say, you know, some guys have a big year this year. Do you worry about them getting poached? Um, yeah, I think that's a thing to worry about. So that makes it hard to project. But overall, I mean, I, I think the directions go in the right way with everything CSU has resourced. I think within you know, a couple of years, it's reasonable to be hoping to be at the top of the conference. So, um, yeah, I think absolutely that's a thing CSU should be shooting for, you know, two, three years into the Jay Norvell era. Obviously, you know, we know the 23 class, obviously those kids can't sign yet, but right now it's, uh, you know, tops in Mountain West, some really good players, um, it looks like coming in. So I think uh, it's very reasonable to expect a, a steady climb and hope for a steady climb. There's uh, everything's in place. Um, you just need it to happen. I, th- I think this seems to be the right group to do it again. We'll, we'll see what happens on the field, but man, all the signs are good. You mentioned the recruiting class. Um, you, you do a great job keeping us up to date with the uh, recruiting tracker you have on the Colorado website. What um, I mean, the, the numbers speak for themselves, but first in rating top two or three in average rating, right? Um, yep. Pretty impressive for, a coach who hasn't coached a game here yet, who would be some of your highlights of that class? Yeah, it's pretty interesting. They're up, I think I have 20 some, maybe 20 right now. And uh, it's pretty fascinating. They're getting guys that have a lot of offers from pre big schools, a lot of really good athletes. Um, They're doing exactly what they said of they're going to take care of California and, you know, that Southern California area. I would also encourage people uh, not to just, you know, tout my own work, but the recruiting sites, what they list as positions don't reflect the position that um, a lot of these guys are going to play um, at CSU. uh, Damian Henderson is one, you know, he's an ESPN 300 guy, which I believe Devin Phillips is the only ESPN 300 that CSU has signed out of high school. Obviously they've had a few transfer in, you know, like a Preston Williams and, and such, but uh, he's, you know, big time athlete. Um, they actually, he's one that I think they're unsure what position he's going to play right now. It's a figure it out later, but he's so, so talented that, that we really want to get him. Um, gosh, there are a lot of guys. Um, Silas Evans, a a kid from uh, Colorado is, is a really exciting prospect. Um, gosh, I'm just going through my list. LeVon Brown. Um, he's another one like a receiver, running back, do everything hybrid. He's a really good player. Um, Justin Marshall, a kid from Indiana. He's has big receiver numbers. He's actually going to play running back. 
they, I mean, they, they have a pretty long list of guys that have a lot of offers. TJ Crandall, another one that I'm pretty excited about. And then another one that I'm fascinated by, he, he committed way, way back when, um, but Jackson Brousseau, quarterback, um, we know the staff can recruit quarterbacks. This is a guy that um, he, he had 3,300 yards last year, 66% completion percentage, which in high school is really, really good. 36 touchdowns and only five picks. Um, he had a lot of or has a lot of Pac-12 schools lurking. Um, so he's another intriguing arm, uh, you know, potentially coming here to CSU. So um, it's just a pretty good looking list. Um, with a, a lot of guys that have a lot of interest from you know around the country it's not always an indicator that uh, p5 schools are offering because sometimes they miss but it sure is a lot more welcome than i think what we've seen in previous years when you're you're dueling um unc and uh we arizona right yeah. right so. yeah the, the thing i always say on rankings is individually you know, for one kid, it doesn't matter that much because like you say, you can miss their guys that are really well ranked that, that flame out. Um, and their guys, you know, Western Richburg that barely have any profile that become amazing. But as a group, I think you need guys, you know, generally if your whole group is a bunch of guys that basically no one else is recruiting, you know, the odds that you found 25 diamonds in the rough that no one else thought of not good uh but if, if you're recruiting a bunch of guys that a lot of schools want it's probably going to be a pretty good group and then see if you can get a diamond in the rough here and there so so yeah i think overall it looks pretty solid it's like mike and his uh baseball uh scholarship offers out of high school you know it <laughs> solid, solid so, offers there. um just curious kevin how has uh working with this staff been compared to working with the previous staff you know you i've seen i've heard justin talk about it and what a breath of fresh air it is um you've seen subtle pokes from even guys like mike brohard what was your experience with coach adazio and that crew compared to jay norvell and company yeah i mean it's just complete 180 kind of like it has been most things they were um Access, it's hard to, to judge the access totally because obviously a, a lot of it was the COVID time where um, no no matter what they wanted, they had to limit some of it. But, you know, as everyone saw, there was a lot of combativeness. Um, I would say that uh, overall they were, um, I guess, wary, def- you know, wanted to deflect excuses, you know, things like that. Um, a lot of combative- combativeness. Um, things like that. Um, I would say in, in a lot of ways, some paranoia, you know, it, it just wasn't a healthy relationship in a lot of ways. And I think that permeated, it wasn't just, you know, coaching media. It was, you know, through a lot of the, um, you know, football program. I think we saw that in a lot of different ways. Um, now it's, you know, it's access is, is good. Norvell seems, you know, good to work with, you know, pretty much pretty straight and open. It seems the players, are good, you know, under Adazio, they were um, basically, I had several, not several, tons and tons of players, you know, use the term brainwashing of, you know, talking about how the media and fans are out to get them and things like that. And that reflected in, in some interviews of, you know, they just thought we were the enemy. Um, whereas you don't get any of that now. I don't get any of that type of vibe. It seems like players are open to speak freely um, about the team and what's going on. And uh, it's just a healthier relationship overall. Yeah. It's funny you say that. I mean, they, they always wanted that 
one head voice and it could only be Adazio's and they were always seemed hesitant to let you interview anyone else. We had, we invited Louis Adazio to be on our podcast once. So just because I met him at the Cherry Hills recruiting event, really enjoyed talking to him. I thought he was a cool young guy. And so reached out to him and, and they were willing to have him come on, but he was very, you could tell they were very hesitant to answer questions. And, and it was almost like he was just apprehensive that he didn't want to make his dad mad. And I, I thought it was a very strange vibe for sure. We started getting yeah. text messages during it. Like, why are you asking this? What, why did you ask that? Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the staff clearly, and you could just tell talking players that there were talking points that you kind of just hit those and don't stray from them. And, yeah. um, and that's all you do. Um, and that's how it was. And, and yeah, different staffs handle, especially assistants differently. Bobo kind of swung back and forth. There were times that he, he let assistants talk other times he wanted to be the one sole voice, you know, Adazio ended up kind of doing that if he wanted to be the one voice. Um, right now we have pretty much full access to talk to assistants, which I think is great. It's a young, energetic, uh, you know, pretty exciting staff. I'm, you know, I've gotten to know some of them excited to get to know more. I think fans will enjoy getting to, to know them and, um, it helps to just kind of learn philosophies, you know, through the group. Um, I, you know, I, obviously I have my own bias side of, I always want access, but I think it's good for everyone. Um, w- when people can share what's going on, uh, Jay even said it early on, we got hired, you know, it's not rocket science. It's, you know, it's football. It, no one's doing anything that crazy. It's, there's not that much to hide or shouldn't be that much to hide. Um, so why not try and share it? Right. Well, just, just my opportunity today to be allowed to watch a uh, media yeah. only uh, scrimmage. And, you know, I, I emailed Kyle and, and again, thank you, Kyle, for, for the, uh, the chance to do that, but they okayed it. That didn't happen, you know, in the past at all, like under Bobo or, I mean, obviously it was worse under Adazio. Yeah, you, you saw that openness, and, and you see it with the players, you see it with the, just the whole program, a completely different vibe. And all these events, you know, Saturday, there's the, the Fan Fest and everything, and the women's um, clinic, uh, um, just doing a lot of things to reach out. You know, they did similar stuff in spring, you know, all the, you know, the amount of kids on that field after the spring game was really cool. So, so yeah, they're, they're definitely doing a lot to reach out and connect to the community, and um, a place like Fort Collins, that's important. Uh, you guys, you guys know, fans want to feel a connection to the team. That's one of the reasons Moby was so crazy this year. Is yeah, it was because the team was good, but it was also because team, uh, you know, fans felt really connected to David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens, and and wanted to be there for them. I, you know, it goes hand in hand in a school like CSU and a place like Fort Collins. You you look at that UNLV blowout when when they came to Moby and just you know put it to us. How many fans were there after? You know. Yeah. Tell them, tell them the players, you know, keep your head up. You know, you got this. Turn it around next week. You know, it, 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 you're right. I mean, it's just a completely different vibe whenever whenever you have that openness with with the community. And, and again, uh, I met Kim today. Amazing woman. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolute sweetheart. And what she's done. I mean, she's she's been open. She's been set up the the Ram Grit 5K um spearheading this the the ladies huddle on saturday i mean it it, it is this community buy-in from 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 the staff from the team that we that we haven't seen for you know honestly since McElwain. well it's amazing of of all the things that norvell has on his plate the 
the extracurricular stuff that he has made time for connecting with fans, some of these events, um, you know, spending an hour with Sonny, you know, those kind of things just, he just gets it, you know, tomorrow, I think he's going to Denver to meet with seven different news stations. Right. So, um, and just to do interviews and just, I mean, why we were ever hesitant to, to do that before, you know, why would you not want CSU to be talked about? Why would you not want to be front and center? So it is, it is a, it's a real welcome thing with this new staff for sure. Um, one last thing for me, Kevin, uh, in talking with Joe Parker, you may have heard this, um, last week, but you know, he, we kind of asked him, you know, what's the latest has CSU story improved or stayed the same since we were last looking, uh, to provide information to the big 12, five, six years ago, whatever it was. And he says, you know, our, basically our, our story hasn't improved a whole lot since then. And that a lot of this, these discussions right now are happening at a level higher than us. Meaning if there's going to be some realignment, it'd be the PAC 12 first seeking out, can they nab anybody from the big 12 and vice versa and not necessarily looking at us or other mountain West schools yet. Um, but have you seen any reports? Have you, you have conversations that indicate any logical scenarios that, there may be CS, uh, a way for CSU to find their way into a realistic conversation there, or are we would that would we need to see some chicken before the egg uh, with some winning first? Yeah, I mean uh, it's been a bad time to be bad at football. Um, I know Joe has said that, and um, you know it's true. It's it's unfortunate for a school like CSU that you know the success of some of your other sports, Olympic sports, you know volleyball, now basketball, track, all those things. It's great, but as far as the realignment, it doesn't matter, you know, one tiny bit, which is really frustrating in a lot of ways, especially for the, you know, those athletes and the people that do so much for those sports. But it's football that drives in CSU, as we know, has been irrelevant for, you know, since that 17 season, really. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, the scenarios I work out that are plausible for CSU basically involve one of those conferences cannibalizing the other and the Mountain West being able to pick up some leftovers is kind of the best case scenario that I can see at the moment right now. I think for CSU, you you hope things go slowly. Um, It seems like Notre Dame is the next big chip of what are they going to do? Then everyone else is going to react. So hope Notre Dame takes forever, which they probably will because they're Notre Dame because they want the world to revolve around them. Hope everything else just sits still get some wins on the field and see if that can start moving the needle Um, in the immediate future. I think best bet for CSU is hope the Mountain West can stay together as is. And you don't get, um, you know, San Diego state to the the PAC 12 seems like a very, you know, real possibility. You wouldn't want that, you know, Boise, I'm never sure how to evaluate Boise. Um, It's just such a complicated thing because they are a bit of a brand, but obviously, especially with the Pac-12, you have the academic issues. So I really don't know what to think about Boise and where they might or might not go. But for me, for CSU, the most realistic good thing is just keep the Mountain West intact right now and in the you know kind of near future, but a little further out, see if you can either strengthen the league or or maybe put yourself in a better position to, to move. In all honesty, it doesn't matter. It's, it's just a waiting game on what the Big Ten and, and SEC is going to do. If they're going to raid, they're going to raid more Pac-12, Pac-10, whatever you want to call it, the Pac Conference. They're going to raid them, or SEC is going to raid the ACC. I mean, it is. It, it's it's Notre Dame and those two conferences that, yeah. that we're waiting on. 
Yeah. And the media rights deals, obviously, I'm sure you guys have seen some of the news about the big 10 ones that seems like they're close to done. Um, and then that will trigger the pac 12s, um, which within that could potentially trigger some moves. You know, if, uh, you know, it looks like ESPN's getting bumped from the big 10, let's say ESPN goes to the, the pac 12, they kind of work together, but they say, well, we really, you know, these are a couple places, we, you know, we think would be markets that would be helpful. Not that TV's driving any of this, you know, certainly, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, that could be a trigger for something. So there are a lot of different like lev- levers that could be pulled. It's just hard to tell when they'll be, but for CSU, I mean, start winning on the football field and, and hope that can um, start kicking things in the right direction. Well, Kev, uh, this has been great. So awesome to get your viewpoints and insights. You, know, you do so, such a good job. Uh, I think I told you I subscribed to Colorado and earlier this year, just because I, I mean, I'm a big believer in print media. It's like the last bastion of truth in media where they actually have to verify sources and, you know, go, go above and beyond trying to be the, the first to just throw a bunch of crap out there and see what sticks. So I appreciate all you do is Colorado doing pretty good these days. Subscriptions. Yeah. Going, right. Yep. No, we, we've been stable. Um, just hired a new reporter. You know, we're, uh, our digital subscription numbers keep rising. Um, you know, I, I think as you guys know, I was able to, to travel everywhere for, you know, football and basketball last year. And, um, so hopefully that's, uh, you know, coverage that that people uh, value and are are willing to pay for because obviously it's not free and i really appreciate you guys um i love i love the podcast and uh, i know it's a uh, you know a hobby not a payment thing for you guys and really appreciate that and always good seeing you guys and talking to you all right buddy Thanks. you too hope you feel better and uh we will see you a lot more this later this summer and fall you bet yeah right, thanks yeah. for being on with us it was yeah. great chatting thanks pal all right, what a good conversation that was with our man, Kevin Lytle. Can't thank him enough for taking an hour to join us. And Michael Rowe, as always, Mike, thank you for your work at the scrimmage today. Mike actually has a series of interviews that he recorded from uh, the post-practice session there. And uh, I think we're going to post those as a separate podcast after we post this one. So keep an eye out for that if you're interested in hearing some of the comments from uh, Coach Norvell and a few of the players. Thank you all for listening. Hope it's been a good week. We're getting really close to football season. That's exciting. Have a great rest of your week. Hope to see you next Thursday at Ginger and Baker. Go Rams.